Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm good. So we're talking about something today that's been re requested by several mm -hmm. listeners. Yes. And that is how to raise siblings that like each other. Oh, or, no or at least don't want to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> or how to cope when they, they go don't. through years of You're, wanting to kill each other. <laughs> exactly. So All we'll, we'll cover, you know, rivalry and jealousy and um, relationship building and, and, you know, trying to encourage friendships among your siblings and coping and all that good stuff. Um, but we have kind of a lot of housekeeping uh, to do yes, with today. Good housekeeping. We're, <laughs> we're going to make it as fun as we can. Uh, we just have a few little details to get through before we get to the meat of the topic. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Sarah really quick because she's got something fun that she wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we have a few, a few good announcements. Um, the first one is I wanted to let you guys know that I am speaking in an online video summit, which is um, called Be the Best Parent You Can Be. And it's basically a free video email series. So when you sign up, you get a video a day for 21 days in December on all different parenting topics. It's geared toward um, new parents, mostly um, parents with kids from babies up through age six. And the experts are a whole um, variety of people from wellness and health to parenting coaches to um, nutritionist to um, early childhood, sorry, early childhood development. I think they should experts. just make a word called early childment. Yes, early childment experts, <laughs> um, and then people like me who just, I guess, like to talk about that stuff and have no official letters after my name. But I'm honored to be included with those people who are. Um, so it is free. Did I mention free? And you sign up um, with your email. And I thought it was kind of a cool way to kind of stay grounded during the crazy holiday season. You'll also be able to um, access all the videos. So if you aren't watching them day by day, you'll have access to watch them all later. Um, and the people speaking are really cool. And I am one of them. So awesome. to sign up for that, we'll, of course, link to that in the show notes. But again, it's called Be the Best Parent You Can Be. And if you go to be the best parent you can be dot com slash Sarah Powers, which I will link to, um, you'll have my free sign up link and sign up um, on my page there. And we'll link to that in the show notes at themomhour.com. So awesome. I'm excited to um, be a part of that. And again, it runs starting December 1st. So whenever you're listening to this, you can sign up after December 1st. You'll still get all the videos, but kind of meant to go day by day starting December 1st. So awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be on video. So yeah. the face, well, the face behind. Yeah, a little bit. The little face bit. behind the audio. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, let me talk about like, what yes, we have going go for on it. for um, some people, some of our mom 
business owners who are listening or dad business owners, I guess, if we have any of those who like to listen to us moms rattle on. Um, we are, you know, as you know, we've been doing calls for sponsors and we've heard from several sponsors, uh, potential sponsors who are interested, but just kind of are running a smaller business with a smaller budget and don't necessarily have the inventory or the, you know, the level of um, need yet or budget to really invest in a single sponsorship. So we are going to be offering a special gift for our you know, mom-owned businesses around the holidays, and that is the opportunity to pair up with a few other um, small businesses and do a bundled sponsorship. So the cool thing is you still get a lot of the same benefits of a single sponsor show. Um, you'll just be kind of partnering up with some other people, which brings the cost down for everybody. So if you want details about that, just shoot us an email at hello at themomhour.com, um, and we'll let you know how to get in on that and what all the details are. Um, I think we can probably only keep it the offer open for the next week or two because... Yeah, I was going to say, this one's a little time sensitive. This is time sensitive. So if you want to do this, and it would be even better if you know other you know mom-owned business, mm-hmm. mom business owners who want to get in on it with you, email us together because then we can kind of make it, pull it all together quicker. Right, um, right. And just let us know that you're interested and we'll, and we'll get back to you. But, you know, definitely I would say by... I don't know, the week after Thanksgiving, because we're going to need, if we want to do it by the holiday. Yeah, I would say by December 1st. By December 1st. Okay. Yeah. So that way we can get it all December. done but in time for, you know, for you guys to get the holiday business, which is what we're kind of going for here. So yeah, that's a yeah. great, great opportunity. Yes. Um, okay. And we still have our scooter giveaway going. Oh my God. So again, if you're listening to this kind of when it comes out, you have, I believe like 24 hours left to uh, enter to win one of the micro kickboard scooters we're giving away. So apologies if you are a few days behind in your podcast and this is now in the past, but this episode should air on Tuesday, November 24th, and the giveaway closes at midnight or at 11.59 p.m. Wednesday, November 25th. And so, a lot of people listen to us on Wednesdays. That's like when we, there's a huge yeah, spike on Yeah, because sometimes we'll try really hard to get this one up early on Tuesday since we do have some time-sensitive stuff, but um, sometimes we're later in the day, Tuesday, so Wednesday's the big day. But get in by midnight and um, enter to win. Um, you can go back and listen to episode 28 or check the show notes for episode 28 for all the details. But um, Amazing Scooter is one of our favorite products for kids. And we're giving away one of their models that's for the preschool size, age range, and then one of their big kids scooters. And they are seriously amazing. So it's fun to see the entries coming in. And if you're listening to this with time left before... Uh, the evening of the 25th, go ahead and go enter. Again, that's at themomhour.com and you'll go to episode 28, which was last week's show for all the details. Cool. So there's that. Should we and do then, our semi-irregular, regular, yeah. and we irregular have a semi-irregular, segment? irregular segment. We haven't done a product feature in a while. We still don't have a name for this. I love listening to other podcasts where they're like, our happy of the week. Or and then we get like bumper music and stuff yeah. for it. And <laughs> he has a name for it. Yeah. Ours is like, you know that thing where that we thing talk we about do sometimes. stuff we like? Yeah. Okay. So that should be what it's called. It should be product. that thing we do where we talk about stuff that we like. Um, okay, so Sarah just sprung this on me because because she is my task mistress and keeps yeah, me in I check. I feel like we haven't done it in a while. I know. And so she's like, well, just talk about kitchen products that you like. But the problem is I'm one of those people, if you ask me, like, what's your favorite movie? It almost makes me, like, irate. Like, I can never <laughs> like ask him what my favorite child is. So um, I did manage to narrow it down to two. Okay. Since we have Thanksgiving coming up this week, you know, mm-hmm. kitchen does make a lot of sense. So... The one that I wanted to mention, and this isn't really product specific, um, is having a, a fun apron. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've talked about a few times, um, like on the blog and maybe maybe on the podcast too. I don't really remember, but I am a total slob in the kitchen. 
total slob. So especially when it's a special meal, like if I'm cooking for a party or a family get together and I'm doing a lot of different things at once, I will end up, you know, I'll come out in my nice clothes and start cooking. And then I have to change because I'm just covered with slop, mashed potato bits and flour (laughs) and God knows what else. So gravy and who else? Who all knows? So I love to wear an apron. It makes me feel kind of like a little bit retro. I love it. Love it. And I and then I can take it off when I'm done. So I look cute in the pictures. And I think mm-hmm. we have a picture we can put in the show notes mm-hmm. of me looking cute in my apron. And then we can take it off. I can take it off and I still look cute. It's great. So if you're sloppy like me or if you just want to kind of float around your kitchen like a domestic goddess, um, buy an apron. I, the one that's yeah. in the picture, I have it. I think it's the brand was called Kitsch, like as in like kitschy, you know, kitchen mm-hmm. glam. But I got it at a boutique and I tried to find them online and they don't seem to have a great online presence. But you can get them. At, I've also picked up some great ones at um, antique stores. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like local, local shops and local boutiques often have cute ones. And yeah. maybe before the show notes, we'll look and we'll find a couple of cute ones on Etsy or Amazon or something. Yeah. I definitely had a really cute one linked that had um, in that, in a post we did a few years ago mm-hmm. and it had uh, matching pot holders too. Oh, cute. If you really I want actually, a June favorite. I have a mother daughter apron set oh. from my friend Nikki of Nikki and Stitches. And I don't, I don't know if Nikki sells aprons in her shop. She's um, sold sewing patterns for them before. Mm-hmm. And that is my favorite because they match, but they are waist. I don't know. What do you call it when it's just from the waist down? They're yeah, different I know. I, that, don't, but, I have no idea. Um, I feel like Thanksgiving requires the full bib. I was just going to say <laughs> that. Like sometimes I'll do, I have a couple really cute, like just waist ones that I've got um, at, at thrift stores or antique stores or whatever here and there. And those work for if I'm just making a quick dinner or like yeah. baking some banana bread or something. But on Thanksgiving, I need to basically be covered from head to toe. Yeah. If I well, could, they could make them with sleeves, that would be better. <laughs> yeah. Like, like in, you know, like labs, like chemical yes, labs. Exactly. Like step into the whole thing. <laughs> Only in a cute pattern. Exactly. Cute pattern. Yes. I need a biohazard um, suit. Well, the other thing about aprons too is I feel like the dish towels and the dish rags during that kind of cooking phase get there. You go through so many of yes. those kind of linens, and then I feel like I'm wiping kind of nasty stuff on what should just really be for drying your hands. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And then I get grossed out, so then I put that one in the wash and get on another one. So I yeah. feel like having an apron kind of cuts down on the number of dish towels and drying rags that you go through. Absolutely. Okay, okay, so, so then my other one, and this I'll, I'll make this one pretty quick, um, is an immersion blender. And I have a, a, a Cuisinart that I think only has two speeds. It's this, it's not expensive. Um, it was something that I never really thought to purchase for a mm-hmm. long, long time. It just seemed like I already had a blender and I had a mixer, mm-hmm. so why would I need an immersion blender? But man, I love that thing. Uh, it is great for when you need it. It it's so great. You can make soups. Um, I use it to make mashed potatoes. Yeah, several different head, um, you know, settings and heads mm-hmm. and. Um, you just, instead of having to put stuff into another receptacle right. to blend it, you just yeah. put the thing in the current receptacle in the bowl right. you're already using yes. and it's small and it's like a little wand and it's handheld and you can take it anywhere in the kitchen and plug it in anywhere. And it's great. I so we'll link, to, we'll, we'll link to that. Um, my recommended, although I'm sure there are probably a lot of great ones. I'll link to the one I have in the show yeah. notes as well. Good but, call. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect for Thanksgiving. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. 
It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. So mine is also kind of entertaining, Thanksgiving-y related. Um, And this is a product I've been sort of like giving as gifts and telling people about for like a year, but it's so simple. They're called um, wine glass writer metallic pens. It's basically like a Sharpie you can use on a wine glass that washes off. And it takes the place of those, you know, those dangly charms that are so cute that are supposed to keep everybody's wine glass. Except doesn't straight. everyone's look vaguely the same? That's what they, they all look the same. Where you have to like have glasses on to tell like, wait, is mine red or is it purple? Yeah. Or they fall off and get lost. And yeah. or I, they're so tiny that I will put them somewhere. And then when it comes time for like the big gathering, I have no idea where those things are. Um, so I've, and, and with stemless wine glasses and other drinking receptacles, yeah, they really only work obviously on a traditional. So this, these come in a three pack and they write very much like a metallic Sharpie. So the, my pack has gold, silver, and kind of a metallic teal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they write on any flat glass or ceramic surface. And then they just wash off with soap and water. So you can get as fun as like in the, in their promo pictures, they show like you could do like a cheese plate or if you had something out that you wanted yeah. to like you know, label, but obviously we just use it mostly for the wine glasses. Um, and they work great. They wash off. I will say if you put wine glasses in the dishwasher, which some people do and some people don't, that does not work very well. I think the heat kind of like bakes it right off. You can still get it off, but it's much easier if you just kind of hand 
wash with a soft sponge and like soap and water on your fingers and it comes right off. If you just put it directly in the dishwasher, I feel like the dishwasher doesn't do it. Well, then that'll just always be that person's glass. Forever. Yeah, permanently. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, sometimes we write funny things on them and it can get really creative. So they're great for a little hostess gift. Also, if you're going to a gathering because they cost 10 bucks for the three pack. And I just keep them like in my pen jar and it's just always right there. So that's my Sweet. my favorite, my little pick. So we will link to all of those in the show notes at themomhour.com. Cool. And Yay. should we also mention, um, since we didn't do like a Thanksgiving Yes. Show this year because we just had other stuff to talk about. We've got lots of Thanksgiving material that we will link to in the show notes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I did want to bring that up. So, because the show comes out on Tuesday late ish, and we know from seeing the stats that people listen over the course of the week, um, it also didn't make sense to do a huge Thanksgiving extravaganza episode when a lot of you will be listening like on Saturday after <laughs> when, yeah. um, when it's over. So we kind of picked a topic that is good any time of year, but we will link to last year we did a series called How to Host Thanksgiving and Actually Enjoy Yourself. And it included three posts and a podcast. And we kind of packaged that all together last year. So we'll link to all of that also in the show notes at themomhour.com. All right. I think we're ready hey, to dig in. That was like an Oof, intense business meeting. <laughs> Are we done on. yet? Okay. Yes. So now we have, to, we have to talk about the actual topic, which is yes, let's do. siblings. Okay. So we ha- I looked back from our emails from listeners, and we've heard this definitely from more than one person. But um, the email that I reread is actually from a listener that I know, someone that I've known a long time is a friend of mine and a listener. And her kids are, let me see if I can get this right. I think six and three. And she just said, you guys have to talk about kind of sibling rivalry, sibling fighting, you know, the, I'll paraphrase, but her email was, I know it's normal, but I have to deal with it while we're in this phase. And I want them to like each other down the road. And I think we can all relate to that, you know? Um, so I don't know. Do you have any like wise big picture thoughts to start us off? Well, uh, yes, I guess. Um, (laughs) First of all, I always think it's interesting because when you look at families where the kids get along um, really well when they're little and the ones that get along really well later, I don't know that there's always a huge correlation between kids hating each other when they're three and six and like hating each other when they're older. I think that I that's agree. very normal. Um, I think sometimes it's the the difference in age. For me, I feel like three years is a tough age difference. I don't know why, but just the people that I've known who have a three-year mm-hmm. age difference seem mm-hmm. to fight more mm-hmm. than like my kids with a two-year age difference. Yeah, and I don't true. exactly know if it's because they're just in wildly different phases by that point. Um, maybe the three-year-old is a little more aware and knows they've been kind of displaced by the baby, mm-hmm. whereas a two-year-old isn't really with it enough yet mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. isn't in that. You know, people talk about terrible twos, and I always joke that for me it was terrible threes. Like two was yeah. – they're still a kind of a baby, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, and, and three there, they yeah, kind of have are. a mind of their own. And so is you know? pre-twos. I always tell people it's really like – 18 to 24 months and then back again at three. Yeah. The twos are actually okay. So I I think a lot of that is like a three-year-old kind of coming into their, into their independence and grappling, you know, for their position in the family. And I just don't think most two-year-olds really are there yet mentally Mm -hmm. um, to even be thinking that way yet, you know? So that's a difference. And then I think sometimes as they grow, I mean, maybe they're, if you start off with a dynamic, you stay that way. But I know lots of adults who fought like cats and dogs when they were kids and are now really close. So 
I don't think it, it's more to me, it's more about coping in the moment and not yes. letting it get you down than worrying that one day, you know, you're going to have that family where the kids don't ever call each other and holidays are stressful because everyone hates each other. I mean, that could I, happen no matter what, right? Exactly. I feel <laughs> not like to be if a, you stopped the podcast right now, yeah. you just sort of said everything that I hoped we would communicate, honestly, because that yeah. is really, not that you should stop listening, you guys, but you're done. that's, that's really... I think you got right to the core of it. My mom has told me that that is, she doesn't regret a lot or she doesn't use the word regret, but she has said, I wasted so much energy worrying that you guys were not going to like each other when you grew up, mostly my brother and I, and we did fight like crazy and we are fine. Are you three years apart? No, we're two years apart, but about as different personalities as you can be. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge part. We talked last week or two weeks ago about kind of nature nurture. Mm-hmm. And, um, when we talked about the adults, we hope our kids will be. And so much of those inborn personalities, you can have a, a sibling set that jives really well. They might not yeah. be exactly the same, but they just are compatible. And then you can have ones that are just completely opposite. And that right. is just going to cause friction. So I totally agree. I mean, I, don't, I couldn't have said it better. It's just that it's kind of becomes about coping in the moment and keeping an eye on the big picture and maybe giving them tools that are going to help with all of their relationships, not, not just sibling relationships, yeah, but I absolutely. sort of see it as these are relationship building and problem solving and conflict resolution skills. They're not necessarily about, you know, um, manufacturing a perfect sibling relationship, exactly. if that makes sense. Well, and let's talk, then let's break that down a little bit, because I think, you know, as far as coping skills go, one of them, uh, one topic I think that comes up a lot, and this could be with siblings, this could be with cousins or just little play date friends, is how much do you intervene? Mm-hmm. Um, I know in my house, the tendency, and you were in, we've talked about this before, birth order, and we really do need <laughs> to do a show just about birth order, but, mm-hmm. but it applies, because I think there's often a tendency to side with, not even on purpose, but just you know, decide with the baby of the family and assume that the older kid is the one starting the trouble, which is mm-hmm. not always the case. Um, I've had several sets where the younger one is quite devious and knows oh, how to instigate silently. <laughs> um, and then the older one tends to kind of get the blame because mm-hmm. they should know better, you know, which sets yeah. up a terrible dynamic. Um, and then, and vice versa, maybe you relate more to the older ones. So you find yourself kind of like babying them through a conflict and the old, then the younger ones like just kind of like hanging out there or right. is getting away with murder at the same time. Right. So um, I think one thing that I really started to do more and more as my kids got older, and there's a great episode, I want to say of the home hour where I talked to a parenting mm-hmm. author yes. about, about not intervening in kids fighting and kids mm-hmm. disagreements. It was like way back, like one of the very first. I episodes. think she's the author of It's Okay Not to Share. Heather yes, Shoemaker, it's does okay that not sound to right? Share. Yes, that's right. Yes. Heather Shoemaker. And we talked about this, like this knee-jerk wanting to always make things better and fix it. Mm-hmm. And especially, it's one thing when it's a play date and it's an hour out of a week, but it's another thing when it's in your house all day long, 24-7. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, how, Sarah, how do you deal with that? Like, what is your, what is your stance yeah. when your kids are disagreeing or squabbling? Well, um, this should make you laugh, but I'm going to bring up the book Nurture Shock, which oh my God, what? <laughs> we had an episode where I did that about every 18 seconds. But I'll just bring it up briefly. Um, Nurture Shock has a great chapter about um, a study they did about siblings and a lot of the same things we're talking about, about siblings who grew up to be really good friends. And um, the myth they were trying to kind of dump on its head was that you should never intervene. Like kids will work it out and that we are 
you know, stay out of their business, which of course you can find people on both sides of that argument, but that's, that's the sort of myth that they were trying to turn on its head a little bit. And what they found was that sometimes when there are good, um, good patterns that the kids are really have the skills to start to work those things out, then that's the perfect strategy. Other times, if you have like a bully and a victim scenario, and you're just waiting for them to work it out by themselves, there can be some pretty uh, negative patterns that get reinforced year after year after year. So I'm not saying to intervene or not intervene. I'm just saying that not intervening on principle, when it goes against your better judgment, when you're seeing the same negative patterns reinforced over and over again, can be a little problematic. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. Here's kind of how it works in my house. Um, My older two have always gotten along pretty well and are old enough at five and a half and seven and a half to have some good problem solving skills. So I almost never intervene, really. I will listen to them and I'll listen to them go at it. And it can even uh, get to, you know, where they're really upset and they really have over time gotten that ability to figure things out on their own. And even if it's not the way I would have figured it out, I almost never intervene, even when it sounds pretty ugly for a little while. I listen. Um, And then with the middle, with the five and a half and the two and a half year old, I almost always have to intervene at this point because the littlest is not ready. (laughs) She's not there yet. So I I don't have an intervene or not intervene stance necessarily, but I do think that, I think that's a good way to think about it maybe is what are the, what are the, what's their skill level in terms of problem solving? And it might not be perfect problem solving, but if they're figuring it out and and everybody's kind of equally represented for the most part, you know, may not be totally fair, then I think you let them, I think you let them figure it out, even if they're yelling and even if, you know, they're quote unquote fighting. But if there's a consistent pattern that's not healthy, I think it's our job to give them those skills, you know, as hard as it is, I guess. And I think we can, and I don't think it has to be heavy handed where we're like, you know, give the toy to your sister or because we don't know what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, even if we're listening, we don't really know <laughs> exactly right. what sparked this this argument or what each kid is really feeling. I mean, but I think that there is sometimes that knee jerk. I've definitely seen it play out in my family and I've seen it play out in a lot of families where there's that knee jerk, like make your little sister happy or make your little brother right. happy. So he'll stop the terrible right. wh- the wailing <laughs> and the assumption that because he or she is the baby, he or she is um, the victim. Right. And I think that makes, ba- you know, little sisters and little brothers really good at crying early and often. Right. Right. And yeah. freaking out. So right. um, and it's unfair to the older kid who maybe just really legitimately does not want to um, let his little sibling destroy his bedroom or, or whatever, you know, whatever the, whatever the scenario is. So I think for me, like, I'm often surprised when I just ask a question and listen to the answer. Yes. Yes. Like sometimes I'm, I'm oh, OK. <laughs> and then sometimes you can say, so what do you think we can do to resolve it? And it's not right. like the two year old's really going to have some great idea. Right. Uh, maybe the idea has to come from the older kid. Right. But as long as they're both kind of giving a little bit and 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 I think it is important for the older kid to kind of recognize that they are in a position of of power, I guess, yeah. you know, yep. without without using that like against them. Right. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And when I said intervene, those were exactly the kinds of things I was thinking of, yeah. but I realized I kind of should have clarified. So I'm not usually, I mean, I'm, we're all guilty of it, but I'm not usually trying to intervene to just solve it or make it go right. away, but at least help them, just like you said. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as teaching them to talk to each other. I mean, that's like, I think of phrases that I use all the time, especially when it's tattling or when it's someone comes to me. 
and I'll say, huh, that's so interesting. I didn't hear you tell him that, you know, because they'll come with like a detailed thing. Like first he did this and then he did this and I didn't like it when he did this and that wrecked my this. And I'm like, oh, that is so much information. Did you say any of that to him? You know, so sometimes it's just a matter of turning them around and be like, say all of those things, but say them to your brother. Right. And then he's like, but you, but she did it. I'm like, great. (laughs) Say that to her, you know? Yeah. So it is much more of like a coach mediator role than it Mm is um, solving it. And I think that also keeps you free from siding for the most part. I mean, sometimes, you know, somebody deserves to have their toy back or somebody is in the wrong and somebody's in the right. But I think the more you can stay as important partial as possible, the more room you give them to figure it out. I think I'm sure your older kids are like this too, but olders can be very generous. I mean, they can have their moments, but they, especially as they get older, they almost surprise you at what they decide is fair. Cause often they'll take one for the team and, you know, choose what might be seen as a quote unquote unfair, but if they, they know how to make that piece cause they're older. So I think giving them the chance to figure that out is a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk, do you have, do any of your kids share a bedroom? Um, I have had room shares in the past. Rita and Allegra shared from the time they were like three and five for like a year. Okay. So it wasn't a lot, little over a year. And yeah. then we moved here. So but, I have, but not a long, not a time. Not a long. So that's one thing I definitely think can, can cause conflict and also be a good way to teach resolution of -hmm. conflict. So one thing, I mean, my kids have, we've almost always had a a room share. And the interesting thing is we've often like, we are in a five bedroom house right now. And technically only two of the kids need to share. So right now it's, it's William and Owen, they have the biggest bedroom. Um, but what's interesting is half the time they all just pile into one room anyway. I don't get it. They like, we finally have a big enough house where like most of them could have their own bedrooms if they want them. And turns out they just want to, they don't, but, um, when they were younger and we were more like more in pet enclosed spaces, um, I really felt like there were times when I needed to come up with a way for one of the kids to have their own space or their own time. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, it wasn't like one, they had the right to exile their sibling from the bedroom. It wasn't like right. that. It was, took a little more uh, management on my part, I guess, in recognizing like you could really use a break. Mm-hmm. You want some quiet, like I would spend, I would also let them hang out in my bedroom a lot. Yeah. Whoever the kid was who just needed yeah. a little bit of a break, they could take their book or their tablet or whatever and, and lay in my bed, which was always like the coveted spot. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of like their place to kind of go chill out and, and just get away. And I think especially when you have multiple siblings and if you've got a, a kid who's a little quieter or more introverted, they really need that. And I think giving mm-hmm. that to them can make a big difference. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think we have this, um, the knee jerk, like you need to share, you know, all the time, or you need to be nice. Like, that's another thing I feel like I hear. Be nice, be nice to your brother. Well, the end goal, right, is to have good problem solving and, um, you know, relationship skills that doesn't always involve sharing. And it doesn't even always involve being nice. Right. So I think, um, I think that's a great observation that looking at what that kid needs is really setting them up for success so that they're going to be better. They'll be more quote unquote nice. We don't always all want to be nice all the time, right. <laughs> even to our own brothers and sisters. So I guess, yeah, to me, it's much more about what are those, what are those interpersonal skills rather than this is the, this is, you always have to share or we always right. have to divide it down the middle or it's, you know, you guys share a room, so you're going to work it out. Um, so yeah. I think that's really very wise. Yeah. Um, did you have another? Well, I, I was actually going to say, let's like back. We're talking about slightly older kids, but I have a feeling there's people listening who are dealing with mm-hmm. babies 
and, yes. you know, maybe a baby and a toddler or a two-year-old yes. or a three-year-old. And that was probably, I mean, I'm much more removed from that than you are at the moment. Um, but I definitely remember having tons of angst about that, especially with my first, when my first was the one getting kind of displaced. And, you know, I was, and he, I was a very hungry baby. <laughs> And I spent a lot of time just sitting in a chair nursing this baby and not really interacting with my son. And I had a lot of guilt about it. And I think because of that, I sort of interpreted some of his very normal two-year-old behavior mm -hmm. as him kind of hating his brother. Isn't which, that the hardest? Yeah. That is one of the hardest things to separate. If you yeah. have a kid anywhere between, say, 18 months and three, and then you add a sibling, there it's so hard to sort out what what's quote-unquote normal toddler behavior with yeah. what's you know, active aggression. Action. I yeah, think that's yes. really tough. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah, it's very, very common. And I would yes. just feel like, you know, if he came up and poked the baby, I would feel like it was some, was because I'd failed in some way or like right. I wasn't giving him enough attention. And I think a lot of it was curiosity, mm -hmm. um, age appropriate, inappropriate behavior, yes. you know, yes. I mean, just, he was just being his age and there just happened to be a newborn in the house right. um, who true. got in the way sometimes. So true. And, so and true. I also started to realize that it really wouldn't matter how much of myself I gave to Jacob at that time. He would always want more. Like it was never good. He was an unfillable well at that point mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. of mom attention. So even if it had just been me and him and I'd been able to lavish him with every drop of attention and energy mm -hmm. I had, he would have taken more if I had more to give. So it wasn't <laughs> like he wasn't getting enough. He just... You know, it was like getting all I had and just wanting more. And it, yeah. that would have been the case no matter what his, what the yes. situation was. So that, yes. when I finally kind of figured that out, I think maybe with the third one, it took a lot of the guilt off yes. um, of me and also kind of helped me chill out a little bit about some of the behaviors I saw that really yeah. weren't as big of a deal as I had thought that they were. Yes. I think that's so, so true and so wise. And I think the first time you go through that, it is just sort of, because yes, exactly like you say, you're seeing you're seeing toddler behaviors come out and it's almost impossible to separate them and kind of wonder what to worry about and what not to worry about. Yeah. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. 
Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Um, yeah, I have to um, plug a book that I love. My favorite parenting author is Dr. Laura Markham. And she her second book is called Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings, because her first book is called Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. Um, and it is about sibling relationship. It has a whole section on toddlers adjusting to newborns or not toddlers, just any older sibling adjusting to new siblings. And I skipped the whole section because I only read the book like a year ago and the damage had been done in my house. (laughs) But she even said that like, this is, it's almost like a book within a book, you know, for people going through that. So that's a great resource if you are at that, um, younger age, I'll I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, so, so where are we with this? Well, Um, I, yeah, I had another, I had another thought. I'm just going to fire it off. Um, one of the, I think sometimes too, like when we're in that phase where the kids are really little and they're maybe just battling and we're literally survive, we're like in survival mode. Mm-hmm. You don't always, you can't always take that big wide view of what we're lo- really, really what matters. Like, does it matter that they're, you know, screeching at each other right now? Is that what's the most important thing mm-hmm. like to make that stop? Or is the most important thing that they both feel both or two or three or four, however mm-hmm. many of you have, that they all feel valued and like they're equally important in your eyes and like, you know what I mean? So like, what is the most important thing? And I I think one thing that was really easy for me to fall into with the first two, and I kind of figured out I was doing it and really, you know, made an effort to stop was the comparisons. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that can be really toxic. And I think in a lot of families, I think it just kind of slips through the cracks and people don't even Mm -hmm. know they're doing it. And the kids Mm -hmm. know it. I mean, the kids know it. Mm -hmm. The adults might not realize it's happening, but I think that's one of those things that can, I mean, you look at people who are, adults and can't stand each other as siblings mm-hmm. and what is one of the things that they talk about it's like mm-hmm. mom and dad always loved you better they always thought you yeah. were a better athlete they always thought you yeah. were the better blah, you're the blah, blah. smart one you're, you're the smart the, one yeah. right and it's um it's just such a it's so common and it's so, so easy hard. it's so, it's so easy. easy when you know even know. when you know that's not yeah <laughs> and sometimes you don't even it's not even you're not even doing it negatively like you think you right. are right. just complimenting your kid or in your eyes what you're what you believe them to be um it's like just part of their, you know, their personality and you don't really see it as you creating this dynamic. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, I, it's hard to really give specific advice because it totally depends on, I guess, your, your individual family and right. the personalities. And I think just something to be watchful of, just yeah, to pay attention to. If I have one, maybe one little tip along those lines is um, it's, it's always a, a nice thing for your kids to see you building up the other kids, but not for their achievements necessarily like right. the spelling test. I feel like I, I, I make a point of pointing out when one of the kids has sort of improved in an area that's hard for them. So Violet is wild and yeah. lacks a lot of self-control. I mean, she's not even three, but still. And so when she is able to not wreck 
a Lego tower or to ask for something before barreling through and taking it, you know, I'll sort of publicly comment on that. You know, Reed is working on being more patient and being more flexible with things that don't go his way. And I will publicly comment on that. And I think if you do that for everybody, everybody's on their own developmental path. And if they see you not praising things like winning or the typical school and things that are real, it's a slippery slope to get into comparison, but things that everybody's kind of working on personally, developmentally, and seeing seeing that they are all working on those things and that everybody's making strides, I feel like can kind of help. Because there's, you can't compare, you know, Reed's not working on not knocking down Lego towers. So there's no comparison there. Everybody's right. just working on their own stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I think, like- it, I mean, we all, like everyone in a family appreciates, and you do this with your friends too, we all appreciate what's special and unique about mm-hmm. each other. And I think it's great to do that out loud. And I think that that can really create a culture of um, complimenting each other, which I actually <laughs> think is a really great thing to do. But it, it is, like you said, it's really good to make it specific to something special about that kid and a, an achievement for that kid that isn't necessarily going to then create, like, it's not like Reed's going to be offended because you don't compliment him when he doesn't knock over his Legos. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't do it with like how many, like what kind of chapter book they read or right. something. There's already, you know, like, so it's, yeah, I guess, I don't know if I explained it well I enough. I think you did. Yeah, exactly yeah. like you said, a culture of complimenting on everybody's unique and pointing that out to each other. I mean, right. those are the kind of things sometimes you tell your spouse after the kids are in bed, like, oh my gosh, so-and-so did this today, or I'm so proud of them, or I'm, you know, they've come so far in this area. And I, I think it's good for the kids to hear you say that about each other. You know, yeah. if somebody tries something new that was scary for them, that's a great opportunity to celebrate those things about each other. And they will, that will start to create the family culture. I like that. I also think there's, in any family, there's going to be a kid who is really special in one specific area, like a, an accomplished athlete. And I think it becomes harder when the the more accomplished that kid is, mm-hmm. the harder it can be to keep that all in check. And so mm-hmm. in our family, like we really, you know, try hard not to make any one kid like the star, mm-hmm. Depending on like whatever their achievement or mm-hmm. you know successes in any specific area, I think it's very easy for all the energy in a family to start going in one direction, mm-hmm. um, and for the kid who's just kind of okay at everything but doesn't really stand out in any one area to just kind of get the shaft, really, because mm-hmm. it's not like you know they're not the gymnast or whatever who whose parents are traveling around all the time to take them to meets, and that's fine if if you've got one kid in your house who is that kid, that's great. But I think the home culture has to be not so focused on the the athlete or the star student or the performer or whatever it is um being needing more resources or being you know more special right. in some right. way that might be the reality that they are sucking up more time and resources but i just feel like there's some energy to put into just making mm-hmm. sure that it doesn't feel that way yeah i think that's i think that's a great observation especially for as kids get older cuz that's yeah. hard i think we talked about that when we talked about activities yeah. you know it gets to be a lot and there's a lot expected in some of these activity. So it would be easy to, from the siblings perspective, to perceive it as we're always going to baseball or we're always, you know, it's always somebody else's activity. And also because I think, you know, in some families, like I would probably, because I'm not super athletic myself and I wasn't athletic growing up, but I'm, I mean, I like to watch baseball, but I'm not really into sports. Mm -hmm. It would be really easy for me to get more excited about the kid who wants to get into performing arts than the kid Mm -hmm. who's the athlete, or for me Mm -hmm. to be more excited about the kid who just finished their first chapter book than the kid who's 
who makes some really awesome, I don't know, right? who does great on their math paper because I'm yeah, more right. verbally oriented right. and reading right. oriented. Um, so, I mean, I just, I don't think we have to, to overthink every little thing because I think that also creates problems yes. sometimes. Yes. What? <laughs> but, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's just something to be aware of. So I think that's really just being aware because you were always going to screw up and I do it every single day. I promise you, yes. I do all the things I'm saying not to do. I probably do once a day. Me too. Um, but I just think when you think about it and you just give it more consideration, you kind of recognize when it happens, you go, Ooh, you know, and you can kind of pull mm-hmm. yourself back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and again, big picture, balance it out over the long, yeah. all over the long term. Yeah. And that almost brings me back to like, I'm picturing the three and five year old or the three and six year old, which is, those are just intense fighting years, you know, probably because they're starting to play a little bit more independently at that point. Like you're not going to leave a one-year-old and a three-year-old together on their own. So that's, that's a different issue. That's more like poking the baby issue. And then by the time they're eight and 10, they've either gone their own ways or they're playing really well together. But those, those like, you know, preschool and early elementary years is probably when that bicker, like the bickering and the fighting and the tattling is at its height. And one thing I find myself thinking sometimes is like, I shouldn't have to say the same things over and over again. Like I shouldn't have to be a broken record, but let me offer the other side of that, which is sometimes I think that's our job. And if, as long as it's not, as long as you feel like it's the right thing that you're saying and you're supported, sometimes it's okay. If I have to say 25 times, you know, please speak differently. Please use a different tone of voice. Please talk to her instead of tattling to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes being a broken record, if, if it's the right record, is just part of the gig. It's not going to last forever. Right. And it will pay off, I think. So I like to me, sometimes it feels frustrated if it just feels like I'm repeating myself. But I guess sometimes that's just parents the way would it have is. to repeat themselves. You know? And there's like, like anything the way, else. You no, know, remind them to say please or right. just, exactly. you just becomes automatic. So. Do a toothbrush check. You know, I mean, like, right. yes, I'm going to have to ask my kids if they brush their teeth like every day. Right. Until their adolescence, because that's when they start to care. You know, I mean, that's really, but you know, like anything else, there's like the whole idea about I shouldn't have to mm-hmm. is never, does not jive with reality. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have to maybe, maybe, but you do. Right. So, you know, the less we think about shouldn't have to um, right. do anything, like probably the right. better off we'll be. That's but, true. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, another, another thing on this topic, we were just kind of getting into like the older kids. And I think for me, for my older ones, I definitely felt a shift when they were about mm, maybe seven and nine or eight and 10, where they went from being these kids who shared everything, like who had, they somehow managed to luck into having lots of sibling pair friends. Mm -hmm. So they would have a bestie who just happened to have a younger sibling, you know, who also could play with the other one. So there was a lot of shared play play dates. There was a lot of shared activities. They fell into a lot of the same activity, like, um, yeah activity age groups mm-hmm. so if they were like signed up for a sport often it would be like four right. to six you know so they'd right. be in the same one or whatever and at some point I think I just made the conscious decision because I could see it happening naturally to just let them kind of separate for a while and yeah. it wasn't like a it wasn't um there was no hostility mm-hmm. it was just more like Jacob was getting older he was approaching mm-hmm. sort of that pre-adolescent age and he needed to go off and do his own thing and make friends that didn't have a younger brother for Isaac to mm-hmm. play with. And, um, and you know, we were lucky in that having a bigger family, there was always someone else to spend time with, even if it wasn't Isaac's preferred, you know, he would have preferred to hang out with Jacob, I think, but, but now he and William are really close and he and William were almost four years apart. Um, okay. but they're, they became buddies. And I think cause they were kind of in the middle 
and Jacob was off kind of getting to be a big kid, you know, mm-hmm. and then Isaac kind of looked down and was like, oh, well, I guess you guys are all right. I'll play with you then. Right, right. <laughs> and I think what that did is took a lot of the pressure off Jacob mm-hmm. um, and allowed them to have their own space and their own mm-hmm. interests and stuff. And the great thing is now they're, they're, they're back together again. Like the band's yes. all back together. It yes. just kind of, there was a little separation while one of them was markedly older. And that's the other yeah. funny thing. Like a two or three year difference might look completely different when they're two and five. Right. Or three and five than right. when they're seven and ten. Or you know what I mean? Right. Like they kind of go in and out of like yes. being playmates in and the then same. not. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Well, you and I both in our own families have big sibling age gaps. And I was thinking about how that works like as in like in my growing up. Like so when my sister was born, I was eight and a half. I was almost in third grade. So I remember it very well. And it was like the most amazing thing ever because nobody's moms were having babies anymore for the most part. Like if they were in third grade, it's kind of a big age gap. So yeah. I, it was yeah. like so cool. So I like, liked, I got a baby sister. Then I had like a cute, I could dress her up even like yeah. through the toddler years, probably, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then, and then, and I know I just completely fell off the face of her earth. You know, yeah. I was a, like early teenager and my friends would be like, Oh my gosh, your sister is so cute. And I'd be like, yep. And we'd slam the door exactly. <laughs> and like for years, years and years and years and years. And we are super close now, but that takes a long time for an eight and a half year difference. And I know you have a much older sister too. So it's, and then my brother and I were the opposite. We were only two years apart, but we were so different and boy, girl. So just different, different, everything, different personalities, different friends, different activities, but probably like late high school. So like senior, sophomore, you know, that age time, we started to have some overlapping friends some like friend groups, we would like yeah. do things together. And I think my mom like almost died of shock, seriously. Like we'd like go to the movies with a group and she would like, she'd be like, I'll pay for it. Just go, like, <laughs> just be friends. Yeah. You know? So totally just, yeah, it just, it ebbs and flows. And I think that's even more reason not to worry so much about the dynamics at any yeah. one particular age group. So Absolutely. how are things with your, I know, I mean, you have a similar big age gap. With some yeah. So I have a, um, my older sister is 10 years older than me. And then my brothers are eight and four years older than me. And growing up, I mean, my brother, John, and who's the four years older one who lives, who's married to Jenna and lives just down the street. Um, mm-hmm. he and I played together. I mean, it was a lot of like kind of bullying play. I, say. <laughs> I do remember being like five years old and all of my imaginary friends and I, like I had 30 imaginary <laughs> friends. We all plotted to kill him. I mean, it was like pretty intense actually, but, um, we, we didn't go through with the plans. So, and I, I don't think I was that disturbed of a child. I think this was just a, a very rich inner life. I yes. Had. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe my parents were watching Dallas a lot or something back then. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so we were, you know, we played and we were close ish, I guess, until, till kind of that adolescent age. Then he kind of grew out of me, you know, like it was fine for him to play with me when it was like, I was, you know, he was like 10 and I was six and we could just run around the yard, but it was different when he was 13. 13. He's not interested. So um, my sister and I, you know, I have very few memories of my sister when I was really little because she was 10 years older. She was off by the time I was 18, eight years old, she was out of the house. Um, She does have some really funny stories, like coming home with her friends late one night. And I had, um, gotten into those maxi pads and I had no idea what they were and I had stuck them all over my dolls. So, because I, I didn't know what they were. And so I guess her and her friends had a big laugh about that. Just like funny stuff that I don't remember yeah. at all. But I would say like when I was in high school, um, that was when she started having, she started having kids when I was in high school. And so she would 
come home a lot and come to my dad's house for the weekend and bring the babies. And mm-hmm. that was sort of my entrance back in. Like that was, yeah. you know, I loved playing with her kids and then we just became kind of, we kind of bonded over music yeah. and now we're best of friends. So, know. you know, it's, and it probably have been really, really close since I was in my late teens. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of comes and goes, you know, um, yeah. one thing I will say about my mom really, um, it wasn't like we weren't allowed to fight growing up. Cause I definitely mm-hmm. remember a lot of, like, I remember a lot of, uh, wrestling and mm-hmm. very aggressive tickle fights. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I think my brother made me pee my pants. I made my brother pee his pants and just <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but my mom never let us speak badly of each other. And that's something mm-hmm. I think she did really right. And I, what I mean by that is there was, we were not allowed to name call. We were not allowed to talk mm-hmm. about each other, you mm-hmm. know, disparage each other when the other mm-hmm. one wasn't in the room. Mm-hmm. I think maybe her family dynamic was more gossipy and more mm-hmm. kind of interesting and more, um, you know, they weren't fighting. It's not like they were arm wrestling at family get togethers, but right. I think that there was more of an undercurrent of, yeah, a little insidious, of a little insidious undercurrent mm-hmm. and she would not allow it. Like it would not, it was mm-hmm. not allowed. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, even now it's like, you know, we kind of joke, like we can all get together and talk about other people, but we don't talk about each other. Like, right. You know, right. You know right. like these are my people. So like there's a solemn safe, pact. There's like, yeah. yeah, it's never been spoken, you know, mm-hmm. but there's just this, there's like a barrier around us. And, and we all know, you know, we don't, we're not all equally close anymore. And one of us lives states away. We don't see my, my brother Buck as often and, anymore and stuff. So it's not even like we necessarily all have the same level of things in common or like the same level of we all see each other all the time. But there's just this feeling that like this is our tribe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to get to us mm-hmm. through, through that. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a cool thing. And I think, I think that's probably the dynamic I'm trying to get with, with my kids. Yeah. Um, because I think it matters when you get to be an older, when you get to be an adult, who are the people who are always going to have your back and, you know, your siblings should be among those people, even if you're not necessarily seeing each other all the time and super close. Right. Right. And I think what we want to foster in the little kids isn't necessarily that it's that we never fight, but that we're in it together no matter what. In other words, if we're going to fight, let's, let's figure out how to solve the problem because- abandoning this relationship is not an option. I mean, that's right. sort of like what, what we're saying that we're, we're like in this for the long haul. So let's figure out how to make different personalities work in the same family and yeah. how to have a family culture where we can, you know, have issues and then come back together as yeah. opposed to let's write each other off. Cause we're, you know, cause we're so different. We're, Cause we're different you know. or yeah. Yeah. So I, I think th- that goes all the way down to the little, the little ones really. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And I think, mom and dad have a lot of ability to kind of, um, model that, mm-hmm. you know, and it could be hard if you're estranged, if you're estranged from your own siblings. Um, but you can also model it in the way people talk to each other in the house. And mm-hmm. I absolutely think the way parents talk to each other is, will be reflected in the way kids talk to each other. So this is more like down the road stuff. If you're in the yeah. trenches right now and you've got like a, you know, a three-year-old who won't stop pulling his little sister's hair or something. I mean, you're in a totally different place. We're just giving you kind of the big picture. And I wanted to say a few years ago, there was this article and I, I wrote a a post about it as well that I think Mm -hmm. is at the happiest home um, about family, family culture and family stories. Mm -hmm. And like, what is the story of your family? And that's something that I think is really important. Like what is, how do you feel about your, your, the family that you live in? You, you, your spouse or partner, if you have one, and then the children in your home, like, what is the unique thing about you 
Um, what are the values you think you put forward to the world? Like, what do people think about you? Like, I think those are important things to think about because I think it gives you a sense like that, that unity and that tribal feeling, which I think is what makes a family a family and brings siblings together, whether it's now or when they're in their twenties. I agree. And there, and it's, it's sometimes like a little bit uh, nebulous when you're in the middle of it. But I think one way to, to get to that place is to think back and to mm-hmm. tell, I mean, you have another great post that's not that one, but another one about the paper swimsuit, paper oh, yeah. swimsuits <laughs> yeah. and having shared memories. So talking about like, like talking with your siblings, if you are connected to them about what you remember about growing up and like yeah. sort of almost figuring out reverse engineering what your own family culture was growing yes. up and not that it needs to be repeated, but at least sort of kind of gives you that, oh yeah, like th- this is part of us. Yeah. Like this is what we're creating right now, you know, even though we don't always know it. Yeah. And just to go in a little more detail about the story, I think it was in New York yes. Times and we can definitely link to it. Yes. Um, well, and, and the past story yeah. is yours. Yeah. yeah. Um, the research they did showed that families who have a narrative that goes, that's like a, like a, like what was called like an ascending narrative, I believe was the term that they okay. used. Okay. Where it was like the narrative was, you know, we were born kind of poor, but we all pulled, or we went through this hardship mm-hmm. or whatever. We all pulled together, we made it work, and here's where mm-hmm. we are. Actually, so the families all felt more successful and actually were more successful, mm-hmm. like more likely to be sort of individual and group success stories than than families who saw themselves having a descending narrative, even if the reality even if it was kind of a lie, which is kind of a funny yeah, way to put it, even if it was a little bit imagined, you know, like we all tell ourselves these things about ourselves. Like when I look back, is it true that I got along pretty well with my brother? Well, besides wanting to kill him when he, I was five yeah. years old. I mean, is it true that we were buddies? I, you know, to be honest, I don't know. We're, we're all kind of rewriting the, right. rewrite, rewrite everything as we go. Yeah. And I don't remember every moment of my life when I was six or seven or eight years old and even nine, 10. I don't remember my teenage years. Right. Um, in clear focus. I think we remember things the way we want to remember them. Yep. And I think sometimes and we totally forget like 80% of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think sometimes writing that narrative in a certain way in our heads, like really does help us create what we want going forward. Mm-hmm. And so I'm big on that. Like you're, you're writing a story right now. And most of what you think you remember is probably not exactly the way it actually yeah. happened. It's all skewed and you can skew it negative or you can skew it mm-hmm. positively. So I choose to skew a little more positively. You're and happy. Um, yeah, you'll have to read the I can't get into the paper swimsuit story. It's too long and complicated, but it it's was great. Very, we will link very to it. Funny. It's a so perfect we'll example it. of a shared family narrative with your siblings. Yeah. You know. Yes. Which I think is I the, the what makes it so rewarding as an adult to have siblings and to be able to look back at that and say, remember, mm-hmm. you know, especially now as someone who's lost both of my parents. I mean, if I didn't have my brothers and my sister, I mean, I wouldn't have that link mm. with my past at all. Mm. And so, I mean, I know there's a lot of only children out there too, and probably parents listening to this who don't, you know, who are having one kid and, and it's a mm. one and done. And you can find other ways like cousins mm. and, and mm. close friendships. So I don't want to be, you know, like right. brothers and sisters are where it's at. And right. if you don't have them, you're screwed at all. Um, but I do think it's a really valuable thing to have that looking, you know, and when you're older to be able to look back with those people who were close to you when you were yep. young. So. Agreed. Agreed. That was a big topic. It was. Yeah. Oh. But I think, I think we did our thing. We did our thing. <laughs> we do what we usually do, which is ramble for a while. I, I guess if we, like we said at the very beginning, if we had to give any advice, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a child, childment expert. <laughs> a child. 
I'm not a child mint expert. <laughs> Neither, obviously. Um, I think you had some really good specific sort of more developmental and tactical things, but I really think so much of this is about coping, paying attention, creating that culture, and just keeping your eyes in the big picture. And not all kids do grow up to be super close. And that, I mean, a lot of that, you know, sometimes it's a crapshoot and it's not necessarily what we did or didn't do, but I think we make it more likely when we set, mm-hmm. when we set the precedent and we kind of create this culture that allows it to, those mm-hmm. friendships to develop in their own time, in their own way. Maybe not mm-hmm. today, maybe not tomorrow. And, and you will be stronger <laughs> for having endured it because yeah. as someone who has endured a sibling pair that gets along easily naturally and another that doesn't, it is hard freaking work. No, no joke to be on it every day. So if you're in there with fighting siblings, it will get better. And you're doing a good job just yeah. by caring. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing we didn't really get into is a lot was the coping mechanisms. But I think it's okay to give them some space from each other. It's okay to break things up um, by bringing other kids into the house, which sometimes can really help. Like, it's, it's okay for you to find things that make life with mm-hmm. your, with your yeah. fighting sibs a little more manageable. Even yeah. if that's... It's okay to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, you know, in whatever form that takes for you. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll link to a bunch of stuff. Everything we link to will be at themomhour.com. This is episode 29. If you are listening before Thanksgiving, I said 28 at the beginning. I think I said said 29. Did I say 29? Yeah. Pretty sure. sure. Pretty sure. It doesn't matter. It is what it is. It is what it is. This episode that you have just listened to. This is this episode. So you're here. But on the show notes, it will be at episode 29 with everything we talked about. And as always, we love your comments and your emails and your social media shares. And all of Please, your and love. leave a comment and tell us what you're struggling with because maybe there's something yeah. we just didn't even get into. You know, I'm like, sure. we couldn't possibly have solved all the problems. All the problems even in the we world. We did go over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone. Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll we see you next week in December. All right. Yes. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.